Welcome to today's episode of EV Hub Live, a live video podcast for public policy professionals working to advance transportation electrification. EV Hub Live is recorded live, so to tune in, ask questions, and check the schedule, please visit atlasevhub.com/live. On today's episode, we'll be discussing equity considerations in the implementation of the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, known as NEVI. NEVI is one of the first Justice 40 covered programs to be implemented nationally. Through NEVI, we have a chance to ensure that transportation infrastructure benefits and doesn't harm underserved communities. Today, we'll hear from two authors of some new analysis on the NEVI program. Rachel Patterson from Evergreen Collaborative and Mo Khatib from Atlas Public Policy. The conversation will focus on how states can lead on deploying equitable charging infrastructure while centering disadvantaged communities. Here's your host, Atlas Public Policy Analyst, Tom Taylor. Hello and welcome to EV Hub Live. My name is Tom Taylor and I'm a policy analyst here at Atlas. This episode, I'm stepping in for Nick Nigro to speak with Rachel Patterson from Evergreen Collaborative and Mocha T from Atlas Public Policy about some new analysis out this week. Charging towards justice, how states can lead on racial and economic equity through the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, or NEVI. Mo, Rachel, and I worked on this analysis alongside other staff at Evergreen uh, and in partnership with EV Hybrid Noir and Green Latinos. Before I get into my questions, I want to remind you that you can send through any questions you have in the chat, uh, and then you can also find the report in full on our website. So let's get into it. Mo, I, I want to start with you. The National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, or NEVI as we know it, is one of the largest public investments in EVs that we've seen to date. There are many angles that we should be thinking about in terms of getting implementation right. Can you talk about this project and what drove the need for this analysis and then uh, explain how you defined and assessed equity in this study? Of course, and thank you for the introduction, Tom. I'm happy to kick us off with a bit of background about what we did. So as you mentioned, um, this analysis was completed in partnership with Evergreen Collaborative, Green Latinos, and EV Hybrid Noir. And as you just mentioned, NEVI is one of the first Justice 40 covered programs to be implemented nationally. So um, it's absolutely crucial that um, we're on the same page about how to deliver investments and what those, um, I'm sorry, how to deliver benefits to underserved communities and what those benefits look like. So to turn to what we did together, we looked at state approaches to incorporating equity and Justice 40 goals and initial NEVI plans through two different lenses, a public engagement analysis and a plan analysis. So the first part of the research, the public engagement analysis, focuses on learnings from a series of interviews with organizations who engage with their state DOT to inform the uh, NEVI plan. The research then pivots to a plan analysis, which looks at how states discussed and incorporated equity in plans themselves through a set of equity indicators. And then on a final note, this analysis focused on racial and economic equity because of the pronounced history of neighborhoods of color being socially and economically harmed by poorly planned transportation investments. 
However, keep in mind that there are many access to equity that agencies should equally consider when uh, building out EV chargers, such as gender and um, disability equity. Thanks, Mo. That's really helpful. Um, so now, Rachel, let's get into the analysis a little bit. And as Mo mentioned, there's two parts or two sections of the report. There's the first one he mentioned, which is the engagement processes. On, and then the second part is looking at the NEVI plans themselves. So let's start with the first section on the engagement process. The analysis drew on a series of interviews with organizations involved in engagement with state DOTs to inform the NEVI plan. So at a high level, what kind of questions did you ask in these conversations? And what were some of your key takeaways from those interviews? Yeah, so we really just wanted to understand from folks that either were from or represented disadvantaged communities, what their experience was in regard to being engaged by their State Department of Transportation. And so we asked them pretty basic questions just about, you know, what were their priorities in relation to NEVI to kind of understand how they conceptualized benefits. And then we asked them how engaged they had been with the process. And if they had gone through other um, federal or state processes, how did this compare as far as their ability to actually engage um, and speak with people from the DOT during the planning process? We also got into a little bit about what were the barriers to engagement. Um, some people didn't know that, um, that, that the process was happening, right? So that's a legitimate barrier. Um, and then we asked them their honest opinions about how they felt that their state was doing, specifically at engaging people from um, disadvantaged communities. And then I think you, the second part of your question was about like, what were those high level findings? Um, in regard to those interviews, uh, it, it was interesting because the findings weren't necessarily, uh, they weren't necessarily shocking, but I think there are things that state departments do, do need to hear. Many of the people we spoke to said that they didn't, um, they didn't feel that they were engaged to the best of the ability that the state DOTs could, although many people also acknowledged that it was such a short amount of time for that engagement, just six months. And so there was grace given there, but folks did want early engagement um, and they wanted really to be partners with state DOTs I think one of the more, um, not surprising, but just important um, reflections that we got out of it, um, out of our conversations with stakeholders was that um, more basic education needs to be provided from departments of transportation, right? If we're really gonna get at providing benefits to people that are underserved, we, we need to understand what underserved means in the specific context of EV, EV deployment, right? And underserved means folks may or may not have vehicles, let alone electric vehicles. So how do people from disadvantaged communities actually get to conceptualize what a benefit might be? And so they just really emphasize the need to get that education and that um, conversation outside of, you know, a technical experience, outside of um, PowerPoint slides, you know, breaking down the NEVI program, just, just the base level, hey, how are new how is a new infrastructure in my community going to impact or benefit my community? So I think just at a high level, what we really saw was that um, state DOTs would do well to take a step back um, and remember that not everyone's an advocate, not everyone's an expert. And folks oftentimes just want the basic information and to be notified early and consistently. 
Yeah, I feel like you said a bunch of really important things there. One is that the you know state DOTs didn't have much time in this first round of the process, and so um, you know I think a lot of the report tries to find a balance between acknowledging that um, those constraints and then also um, trying to set a, a bar for you know this process will happen again and again. You know how do we raise the bar for for future for future plans? And then I think the other one is that this. Um, you know, for a lot of people, this is really new technology that they're still trying to work out how it's relevant to them and how it fits in with their lives and their communities. And so um, I think that's a, an important insight as well, that um, people come to this from very different places. So Mo, now to get into the plans um, and the analysis that you did on the plans, all 50 states plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico submitted plans and they all received approval from the Federal Highway Administration last year. That's a lot of material to get through. A lot of these plans are, you know, 60, 70, 80 pages long. Can you tell us a bit about the process for the selecting for selecting the plans to review? And then uh, a little bit about what you were looking for in the plans. Yeah, of course. So for the plan analysis, we randomly selected three to four states per NASIO region. NASIO is short for the National Association of State Energy Officials. And we looked at a total at 20, we looked at a total of 20 states just to study how these states discussed and approached equity in their initial NAVI plans. Um, we did this through a set of equity indicators that we developed through literature reviews, conversations we were having during the interview segment, and um, they're also informed by our equity partners. Um, so that these indicators looked at how the state identified DACs, um, if they are transparent about their stakeholder engagement process, if they provided non-English language support in underserved communities, um, if they address personal safety measures, and also whether or not they identified benefits and disbenefits to underserved communities. Uh, for each of these indicators, we created data categories to be able to analyze trends and variations better. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think you make it sound simple, but as from being on the um, <laughs> the the other side of it, I know how complicated it is to to wade through these plans when the you know the data is in different places and um, and when states are classifying things differently. And again, I think we'll see as states um, go to their second round of, of plans hopefully more standardization to make it easier for people to work out, you know, to compare across plans. But sticking with you, Mo, what were some of the key takeaways from your analysis of the plans? Yeah. So my first takeaway is that of the states that we reviewed, the ways that states approached equity varied considerably. I wanted to highlight our first indicator that looked at how the states identified disadvantaged communities. So as you can see, the majority of states that we looked at used the EV charging justice 40 mapping tool to identify disadvantaged communities and several more either coupled or tripled that with um, their own state specific equity mapping tool um, or another federal mapping tool. And why this matters is because if multiple mapping tools are overlapped on top of each other, more of the population will be likely identified at disadvantaged and then benefits may be less targeted. And you can kind of see this variation throughout the analysis, which was interesting. Um, and then my second takeaway is that some states noted this initial plan as a plan to make a plan. Um, several states, including Georgia and West Virginia, um, 
you know, candidly noted in their plans that equity and engaging disadvantaged communities will be fleshed out in future phases of the NAVI program. Yeah, I think they're both really useful uh, insights. And I think for each of the indicators that we looked at in the plan, there's a version of that first graphic where we um, compared a, a, across the states and um, try and get some more insights into um, how different states are doing it. And I think the challenge at the moment is we're so early in implementation, it's hard to know what um, best practice is on a number of these places. Um, and so, you know, there's a real consistent theme in checking in with, um, you know, with the people that are um, set to benefit or be affected by this um, technology and determining with them what the, the benefits are and what matters to them. So, on that, Rachel, the report highlights a, a public engagement toolbox. Can you explain best engagement practices that states can follow to ensure that community priorities are heard and incorporated in NEVI implementation? Certainly, yeah. So we were excited to be able to kind of aggregate um, the feedback that we got and we parsed it into three different sections that I think it's helpful to think about. So the first one just being that education piece I spoke about. People cannot meaningfully engage if they don't know what they're talking about, right? They need to have a certain level of information to be able to say, this is how I believe this will impact me or not. So um, we saw that the states that did well, that received positive stakeholder feedback, they were very thoughtful about how they engaged, when they engaged. Um, and they did things like um, produce, you know, specific graphics or walk people through on a webinar um, what the benefits might be and then left that up and had it publicly accessible. So engagement is the first category. The second category um, of, of best practices is centered around outreach. And in particular, as we're talking about marginalized communities, outreach to them. Um, so we saw some states um, like Tennessee, for example, they did targeted outreach by putting uh, the information in newspapers that they knew would reach um, historically black communities they, you know, or uh, Latino communities and printed it in the, in the languages relevant to those communities. So I know that we don't always see you know, state agencies getting that invested, but that's really what's necessary in particular when it's such a new program like NEVI. Um, and then that third category of feedback. So it's important not only to ask people how they believe this program will benefit or impact them and then actually do the outreach, but it's critical to listen to them and then be able to incorporate what they said and then let them know how you incorporated it to make sure that it actually does really reflect their needs. And so we saw many states do this with public listening sessions, um, public workshops, um, we saw a couple states do this through surveys um, or interactive mapping tools. And what we would suggest is, you know, kind of try to do a suite of all of those to the extent that it's possible. Um, hopefully some of these are, are, you know, are relatively low cost. But um, the main point just being each of those three categories, education, outreach and follow up with feedback. All of those are critical to, to genuinely engaging communities. Yeah, I think I think that's really helpful, and I think one um, 
thing that I think the report does well and this, uh, that, that is that I, there are links in the report to plans that do this well. And so you can, you know, as you're engaging with best practice, you can go and see what it looks like in the Tennessee plan and, and what their strategies look like. Um, and so Mo, bringing you back in. So um, in addition to the equity indicators that you ran through and, you know, people can read that in full about um the, you know, looking at benefits or disbenefits or the way that states identify disadvantaged communities. Another thing that we looked at was to um, look at some unique approaches from states. Um, can you talk through some of those unique approaches that states uh, use to um, consider equity? Yeah. So NEVI offers states pretty decent flexibility when it comes to implementation. So consequently, we saw a number of states chalk up really unique and interesting st strategies to center equity in their plans. Um, I'll first highlight California. California stated that they intend for 50% of NEVI funds to benefit low-income and disadvantaged communities, which note is a higher target than the 40% requirement per Justice 40. Um, we also saw that Vermont developed a BIPOC score and map for the state at the census tract level, um, which makes it one of the few states that we looked at that identified the geography of uh, racial groups in the state. Um, and on top of acknowledging its ties to underserved communities. Um, and then lastly, we saw a number of states consider the unbanked population as part of their NEVI plan, including um, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Maryland, which allows for more payment options beyond a credit card, such as a prepaid card. And there are several more unique approaches that we saw. And it'll be really interesting to see states um, continue to chalk up innovative, innovative solutions that uh, prioritize equity throughout the remainder of the program. Nice. And maybe I'll just take a moment to um, to remind people if you have questions, um, please drop them in the chat. We'd love to hear from you um, any of the things that you're wondering or any questions you have about the analysis. Uh, but I'll go back to you, Rachel. Um, sort of broadly, who is this report primarily designed to help and what um, can they do with some of the learnings from this analysis? Yeah, well, we really structured it with the intent of helping folks who at state GOTs who actually have the task of implementing this program. Um, we wrote it in such a way where we were trying, as you said earlier, Tom, to just be, you know, cognizant and, and respectful of the fact that this is a new program. It's a lot of uh, work to do. And as Mo mentioned at the top, Justice 40 is new and NEVI is one of the first opportunities to get benefits to targeted communities. So, you know, we really recognize that there's a knowledge gap there. Um, and so we're, we're hoping that by providing, you know, the toolbox and some lessons learned and across, uh, you know, an analysis across the nation in a variety of states with different issues, different politics, different landscapes, we're hopeful that this will be widely applicable to many you know, departments of transportation as they, in particular, as they get ready to gear up for the second round of NEVI funding. I will also say that I think, you know, part of the thing that was exciting about this report is that NEVI, as many people know, has, has such a harsh restriction around where the charging can get deployed, right? Half, 
has to be every 50 miles. It has to be within one mile of a high, of a you know designated AFC, and that creates particular constraints around how to actually get benefits to these communities. Because big surprise, most communities don't live on a highway, um, and they don't necessarily live exactly every 50 miles apart. Um, the communities that we want to get these J40 benefits to. And so I think the other thing that's exciting about this report is that while it is centered on the NEVI program, many of these findings are going to be widely applicable to Justice 40 programs in general. So we're hopeful that um, it can get some traction and be helpful for state administrators and regulators kind of across the board of, of programs that are looking at delivering benefits through the Justice 40 initiative um, in a variety of, you know, programs from the Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law. Yeah, so Rachel, to stick with you, and you mentioned this August 1st date that's coming up. So I wonder if you can just talk about some of the next steps with NEVI and the states will be submitting their um, their, their second plan. Um, so what are some of the things you'll be looking for in this um, second year of the plant? Yeah, well, there's some like specific nitty gritty things that we've called for states to do so that, that we can look out for, for example, um, it's really important to not only engage stakeholders, but be transparent about which stakeholders you engage so that the folks in your state and in your community know that when you say you engage someone from an EJ community, that that's true, right? So um, there, another thing that, that we're really hoping more states take advantage of um, through this report is building in safety precautions. Um, we know that there are particular safety concerns in particular for marginalized communities who are seen as a threat although they are also the most likely to be threatened, right? Um, and then I think that there are kind of broader stroke things that we're looking for. So just the depth of engagement, right? So we're hoping that um, departments of transportation cultivate long-term relationships with these communities, which might not be borne out in a plan, but it, might, it also could be. You know, do, uh, we also hope that states do things like start to plan how they're going to spend their discretionary funds, because that is how the bulk of the benefits will likely be received by disadvantaged communities through those discretionary opportunities to get chargers in communities rather than on highways. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's many other things that we're looking for, but but at a high level, we're looking for that depth of engagement. We're, we're looking for um, longer term plans that really weave in Justice 40 considerations. And then um, kind of, as I mentioned, the fact that uh, discretionary funds aren't available yet for many states because they have yet to build out through this 50 mile, one mile requirement. Um, we're hoping to see states kind of take some of the lessons we learned and get really creative about what their benefits look like. Some states were really great at identifying that hey, maybe the benefits are going to be uh, rather than like air quality or something kind of amorphous like that. Maybe the benefits are going to be in who gets the contracting, maybe the, you know, and so hoping to see states really get precise about what those benefits are, because that's essential to be able to hold them accountable when the benefits come due. Yeah, I, I think that's really a really good point. I, I think some particular around, you know, you, we saw this when you look across state plans, their ability to define metrics. And I think, you know, there's a process still of defining benefits and then getting to the right metrics. But um, that 
is crucial in terms of um, measuring, not just identifying the right benefits, but also identifying the right measures so that we can work out whether these benefits are, are flowing to disadvantaged communities um, as per Justice 40. Mo, I'll um, bring you in. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up in a minute, but I'll bring you in um, just to talk about um, you know, any other parts of the report you want to highlight um, that you think are, you know, particularly worth noting? Yeah, I was wanting to note our disbenefits section. So the Federal Highway Administration didn't include a um, section about disbenefits in their state plan template. But the reality is that if this NEVI investment isn't properly planned for, um, it can it can burden communities and possibly cause burdens such as gentrification. So as a result, we looked at whether or not states identified potential burdens or disbenefits that um, EV charging investment can cause, um, and doing so can prompt the state to mitigate those potential burdens um, and really just roll out EV charging in a way that delivers only benefits. Yeah, I think I think that's really uh, you know important to note, and I think one thing that the report does is both look at um, you know what are the, the sort of criteria that the um, the joint office or the FHWA identifies key things for states to be thinking about, and blending that with what are some of the key equity considerations like safety, like disbenefits that matter to communities, and, and making sure they're both part of the conversation. Rachel, Mo, I'll hand over to you in case you want to just say any last words about um, about the process or about the the report um, to to close us out. Maybe Rachel, I'll start with you if you have any final words. Um, I don't know that I have anything beyond. I, I I hope that folks are able to extrapolate the the high level findings in regard to equity and and apply this not just to the NEVI program, but also take this into consideration in long-term planning processes. What we did see that was that um, some of the states that had the best engagement strategies, they were already planning to do outreach on other programs. And so I really hope that states kind of take that lesson, take advantage of that and, and start thinking about how continuous engagement will look. Um, and then also I just have to say thank you to everybody who worked on the report and also was interviewed by us. Um, it was a lot of effort, but we're really hopeful that this will provide, you know, some tangible to do's for departments of transportation. Nice. Yeah. Mo, I'll hand over to you yeah. in case you have any last things to say. Yeah, of course. So next steps for NEVI state plans are due August 1st, 2023. I'm already seeing state agencies roll out um, engagement opportunities to inform the second plan. And I'm hoping that this analysis can not only be beneficial for future NAVI planning, but for also uh, future engagement processes that um, um, center um, underserved communities. So again, thank you. I will echo that. Thank you um, so much to the, the groups that we um, partner with, Green Latinos and EV Hybrid Noir. Thank you so much to um, those who provided input on the report. 
Um, and a huge thanks to those um, who we interviewed and provide their uh, really crucial insights into the, the process. Uh, that's all for this episode of EV Hub Live. Thank you so much for joining us um, and we will see you next time. Thanks.